Hey, big fella. Here you are again at Father Seekers, the podcast Teach Me to Father. I think we poked a hornet's nest last week. The earth shook. It cracked open and swallowed up some things. Definitely poked some hornet's nests. Anyway, we are glad you're here, and I am glad you tuned back in for this this uh, final piece of of Ezra Kadegdo. How to understand and treasure your beautiful wife. Now, some of you, I just heard you say she's not so beautiful these days. Well, there's a couple of reasons. And one of them is probably looking in the mirror at you back when you're shaving or whatever you do in the morning. But we have a solution. We don't we don't pitch we don't pitch the obvious problem without giving you some sort of solution that's grounded and based on what works and what we know to be working in situations like this is wisdom, knowledge, and surely. The magnificent word of God, there's a lot of hope and health inside that word. And once you realize that and understand that, your life will get significantly easier. And you as well, ma'am, he's not all that bad or you wouldn't have married him. Let's just say that. He just is under construction. So I I have back with us again, uh, Pastor Becky Alcantar, Journey to Wholeness lady and Hey, just curious, I've always wondered lately, in all the years now, how many people have actually gone through Journey to Wholeness 12-week, Journey to Wholeness Intensive, Journey to Wholeness marriage things, or the even the pastoral things, or the couple of pro athletes we did intensives with? How many people overall? So it's interesting you say that. We are entering into our 10th year of Journey to Wholeness. Hello. We've been around a minute, um, and we are, I think the last count was like, we're in the thousands is where we're at now, which is incredible, uh, considering we had, uh, well, the world had us slow down, and that sped us up. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, really just to see uh, others doing this work now, when we started out, this was not a topic or conversation that um, was happening in the church. And uh, definitely a lot of churches that were mm, hesitant to actually open the door to um, this type of conversation. And so very grateful that uh, I landed in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where there were lead pastors who were all on board. Uh, with talking about these matters um, in the house of God. And I think it's a conversation that should be happening in his houses across the nation. In in that decade, I've noticed, because I've been associated with the church off and on, not not just being on staff, but over over that time period, it seems like that the mental health, the whole mental health picture has become more prominent in in discussion, at least. I don't know that it's always dealt with in the best way, but... Mm -hmm more prominent in discussion in churches as a whole, not just not just a certain group or denomination or some some gathering. Right. But as a whole, it's a discussion now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that secularly it is an open discussion. This these were topics that people only talked about in the counselor's office or uh in 
scholastic uh, arenas, and now we have all of this information available to the general public, which can create some issues as well. But when we balance that, as we're talking about today, even with Ezra Connecto, when that's balanced by the word of God, um, and also um, supplemented by, right, really this is all of God's creation, it has so much more power for healing and deliverance um, when we can do those two things in conjunction with one another. Um, so uh, I love that we were already doing that in the church um, when there was a resurgence maybe of mental health and also maybe an awakening and acceptance of talking about these topics um, in, in the church world. If you, if you uh, just as a, uh, to, to defuse perhaps the the fabrication or the narrative mental narrative you've created about what happens in a journey at wholeness room talk about just 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 for a minute about the 12 week and then the intensive because we have a lot of pastors mm. like pastors who have gone through yeah and some churches have taken their whole staff through in an intensive so what what actually happens a 12 week is it's just broken down topically. There's 12 sessions, 12 weeks, hour and a half, 90 minutes discussion with a trained facilitator. Mm-hmm. So a lot's pulled out that, but, but what about the intensive piece? How, what, what happens in that? Yeah. An intensive definitely is different uh, than a 12 week. You can think of the 12 week as a course, um, really just learning and being, um, exposed to concepts that are going to be helpful taking the time um like you said a 12 week is video based but also has a facilitator that's trained uh and so it's taking that time uh to actually go over the topic let it sink in have discussion about it and then do the work um from session to session uh with the robust workbook that we provide with that so that is like the most intentional um consistent way to actually go through journey wholeness versus an intensive um i love intensives because we um in the words of the great nacho libre can get into the nitty-gritty of your story and so if you have some urgency or um if you find that necessity if you want your team um, not only pastoral teams uh, but we've had uh businesses ask us to do intensives with their staff Mm. it really helps to minimize the conflicts that happen um, minimize some of maybe the extra meetings that you have because Mm. we're trying to clarify some things Mm -hmm. that have happened or been discussed or inferred and really bonds that team together so you can focus on the purpose of the organization and so uh, in an intensive it's a two to three day depending on how you choose to go through that and how many participants you have uh, where we go over over the topics, um, however, we enter into the story work of the individuals there. One, so that you can get clarity and understanding. Uh, we like to say we take a 30,000-foot view, but so that your teammates also understand um, what your story is and can be more mindful um, and also uh, careful and loving about how they interact with you as you're working through your healing journey. It's a great accountability tool uh, in that now when someone's a bit crabby in their cubicle, you have the right questions to ask that is both caring and gracious and kind uh, to allow them to course correct, uh, but also to continue the work that they need to do. That's good. So I, I, if you're, if you're a pastor or a dad or a mom or you or you're a lady who's married to uh, a fatherless guy and you didn't you grew up with a great dad just contact us mm-hmm. at journey to wholeness.org or 
uh, you can contact Father Seekers, make make yourself available. Well, we make ourselves available to you through content and coaching and connection. But if you need somebody to sit with you and help you walk through this, j2w.org or j2wholeness.org. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you make an inquiry, you get an answer pretty quick and we can work with you. So let's jump back in where we were, PB, and we stirred a hornet's nest in a good way. We we deflated an elephant and dismantled another one, I think. But let's dive into this. Let's let's pull apart. Let's pull out the practical, uh, as we say down south, uh, eat the chicken, spit the bones out. Um, I would say the bones here are our preconceived ideas about what we think our treatment of our spouse is all about. Here's mm-hmm. the divine order. Let's talk about the divine order here. What what does Scripture say? If we can get a baseline, I've, I've heard you say this often, a baseline, a baseline, a baseline. If we can get a baseline of where you are and what your understanding is, then we have a place to work from. Mm-hmm. So here for our context and our conversation, it's the baseline is what the divine order is, what it's all about. Mm-hmm. I believe we left off, if recollection and notes are accurate, we left off with the breakdown between Adam and Eve mm-hmm. at the tree. Mm-hmm. We left out, we, we, we stopped the, the, the thing there because we just out of time and there was a lot in that podcast. Like there was a lot in that podcast. Yeah. But let's, let's go back, summarize for me. And then I'll, I'll give a little summarization. I think uh, from your vantage point, what happened in that exchange? Adam, Eve, serpent, God. Yeah. Give us, give us your impression. Yeah. So uh, Genesis three is where I would say um, the stabilizing force of those contrasting forces we referred to in the first episode, um, man, woman, and God was severed. And there was a complete collapse. And we see that with the very first script or verse in chapter three, with the question, did God really say? That was the catalyst. And so that really is the introduction, kind of framing this whole chapter of what did God say to man? What did God say to woman? What did God say to Adam, mankind? And that really is the crux of where the attack happened by the serpent to destabilize this powerful force that God had just created and put in the midst of the garden that must have been. I know that it was intimidating. And the purpose of this contrasting force was to take territory, right, to make God's kingdom here on earth absolutely the enemy of our souls would go, how do I sever that? Where can I most effectively and efficiently derail that? Now, if the enemy can't defeat us, you've heard this in journey, we can only defeat ourselves, right? Then he has to convince us then to actually get off track. And that's what we see here in chapter three of Genesis. Contiguously through history, you will always see biblical history and world history where the enemy has inserted himself to destroy the divine order of things. And, and the divine order is all based 
it's central upon upon Christ himself, but it's based on the actual words of God, divine order, which is so interesting to me that 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 the enemy, how foolish is this to say, did God really say? And if we just roll back a minute and we, well, what did he say? Mm-hmm. Let's go back and see what he did say. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's, here's what he did say. He did say to Adam before Eve was created from his rib, he did say, Adam, you, you are here. I've given you this whole creation, the whole creation to steward. I've given you this to steward. I've given you divine authority, my authority to steward what I've created. I've, and that, that, is a whole, that is a whole podcast in itself just to think about that one statement that I've given you stewardship. These are two big words that go together for husbands, stewardship and authority. How do I steward my authority and my responsibility as a man? That, that's huge. But he said, God said to Adam, Look, I want you to 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 rule, to reign, to 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 be in authority over this garden and everything in it. He's already named everything. He's already got a direction for it. But then God specifically said, "Do not eat of this tree for the day you eat of this tree you will surely die." And then came the creation of Eve or or Isha. Is that right? Ish Ish and Isha? Yeah. Yep. I love that. Nonetheless, there was there. I think there was a, a fracturing, and and a uh, um, a land grab deal by the enemy. That's all it was was a land grab deal. Because here's the thing: as I think about this more and I, I ponder it, God created all that exists, both seen and unseen, known and unknown. If 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 the enemy could take authority over all that, then he could control what God has created in the mind of the enemy himself. But we know that not only because of Genesis 3.15, but all throughout the rest of the Old Testament and into the New, that that the enemy's work would be destroyed and, and revert back to God's people. Nonetheless, here's what I think happened. When God told Adam to, to don't, you can, you steward this garden, it's yours. You could eat from the tree of life, but not from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Eve comes onto the picture, and here in the fracturing at the tree, I think three or four things happened. The first is that fatherlessness entered into creation. Not that the father abandoned, and this is this is sort of deep water here, hang on. Not that the father God himself abandoned his, his son and daughter, his creation, but his creation abandoned him and disobeyed him. They they abandoned him through disobedience. Therefore, fatherless, fatherlessness entered into the race because of the abandonment of the son, the earthly son, Adam, to heavenly father. So fatherlessness entered in. Then the passivity of giving up the responsibility and the order that God placed on Adam to, to steward well, to use his authority to steward well and to protect and there's this whole issue of protection when it comes to the serpent inserting himself into the picture. And then there becomes this, this passivity or lackadaisical attitude, which manifests in so many different ways, that when Adam didn't insert himself into that exchange with the serpent and with Eve, not to, 
not to correct or crush or blame Eve, but to to because Adam had authority in that whole area, that whole divine order in that place at that tree with the serpent, had authority over the serpent, yet he didn't insert himself against the enemy of God's creation, against the enemy of himself, his own soul, and against his wife, Eve's soul. So passivity entered in. With that passivity, when God now questions what happens, what what did what did he say? Well, what happened here, Adam? And Adam began to blame God for Eve and then blame Eve for, well, you gave her to me, God. It's your fault. And then Eve did it. It's your fault. So then this whole, this whole shame, blame, accusation, and condemnation and contempt, this whole thing comes in the picture. I think that's where you left off with the, uh, Mm-hmm. With what's up in real time, real life in marriages today that you deal with, mm-hmm. and I believe you mentioned conflict resolution at the top of the last podcast and communication. Right. Yeah, it's absolutely. As you were talking about the passivity, it just made me think of how often, um, and, and this isn't true for everyone. Um, so I'm not trying to create any like gender roles or biases, um, but a large percentage of um, the couples that come in, uh, we have either a silent night, um, which is the guy. <laughs> and so many of you smiled and nodded your head. Uh, and uh, we also have a lot of guys with this um, freeze fawn response, um, which is where I think you kind of highlight the frustration of it's not because I want to freeze or fawn. Um, it's because I want peace in my home mm. and I don't know how to navigate. I don't know what the root of this is. So it seems, you know, more beneficial, um, easier, more restful to gen- than just concede. But when that happens, we see what happened in the garden. There's not that opposing and contrasting force to balance. And that's where the severing starts taking place. I mean, the the whole chapter three is the temptation of the fall, but it's the consequences of sin. And the consequence of any sin is separation, separation from God, separation from each other, and separation within ourselves in the places that we hide or fragment um, or split. Uh, there's so many terms that you can go and reference. Um, and there's often that splitting within ourselves, right? So you ever have a conversation with your spouse and you're like, wait, you said one thing one minute, but now you're saying something completely opposite the next. That's a sign that there's some fragmentation or splitting that has happened in that person's story. And rather than say, no, but you said, and then we build like this um, uh, rolling stone, right? They starts going down the hill. We can pause and say, wait a second. Are you seeing the same thing? What's actually happening within you and with care and tenderness start to excavate as we are diggers here and getting to the deep things, excavate what actually is at play and why there's this splitting or separation within you that now is creating confusion in our relationship. Cause I'm trying to understand and be on board with you, but something just happened and I'm confused. Can we enter into that with curiosity without hearing that as accusation? Can we say, mm, let me, ooh, that seems like that would be really tiresome, really like consuming to be always in that place of trying to figure out like what's what. Can I now um, handle you, uh, not handle, 
but maybe handle. Um, can I help you? Can I be on your side in this and help to clear up that so that we can have better clarity in our relationship? And I think we're seeing this right here in this relationship in that uh, Eve doesn't stop turning and reinforcing and supporting Adam. She turns right to him and she's like, okay, this sounds like it's good. We see Adam's silence and passivity. All he had to do, all you have to do is say, hey, I see you want to move quickly, but I see reason to pause here. And that is a good thing. That is what is your value and your worth and your honor. That my job is to survey the land and bring us to places of safety. Whereas I got my Ezra here who is ready to go, ready to fight and ready. If I think that this is the purpose of your life and that's the last directive you gave me, know that I and many women are going to run with that unless you communicate clearly. Now, if you need a moment to clarify, wait a second, my story has given me a different impact and now I'm seeing things in different light and I need a second to sort it out. That's okay, but you have to communicate that. And so the lack of communication can create havoc in a relationship. Why? Because I am running with the last thing you said. And if the last thing you said wasn't from a place of certainty, there's no shame in that because we're still on the same side but let me know hold your position woman <laughs> so that we can assess this so that we don't enter into danger and that if I'm really talking from my heart is always what I'm looking for from my man right like I am ready to run with whatever you like I chose you so your view and vision of life and how kingdom is going to be built in the midst of us, I'm all for, and I'm going to run unless you tell me to pause or hold because there might be some danger here. You know, there's a, as you, as you're speaking there, I keep, these two words keep popping into my mind is the divine order, the divine order. And I think the enemy separated God's creation Mm -hmm. of humankind, separated them from divine order. And this is just a, a play, the way that this played out. And what's interesting is because the enemy keeps repeating that, did God really say when he told you to go do this and examine opening your own business, did he really, did he really say that? And then your Ezra comes to you and says, well, what about, and what about, it's not that she's, she's shaming, blaming, or doubting. It's she's exploring what's, cause I'm, you're, you're, you're my guy. Yep. I'm on task. I got yeah. your back. Yeah. And unless you're telling me we need to full on stop or hold, yeah. that's what's happening. It's not an attack on you or on your calling or what you want to do or your ability to do those things. Yeah. So you're now talking about the responsibility of a woman. And I think as you're saying that I'm leaning back into what were the significant things that God said to Adam before Eve? And, and those things were stewardship of responsibility, stewardship of what I've given you dominion, the domain that I've given you dominion over, because men are conquerors. They want to they take on and they want to do more. They want to expect. Look, if God created humankind in his image, mm-hmm. there was, there was, there was this, 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 ability to see things and to explore things and to grow things. I would, I would say it like this. God didn't create the table that we're sitting at, but he did create the materials and gave man the wisdom and how to do it. 
So I think as we look at that as men and understand, wait a minute, this thing that's opposite of me, not only physically, but mentally, emotionally, and in every way possible otherwise, she's opposite of me. She doesn't think like I do. She doesn't act like I do, but she is a compliment to me to to not bring balance, to but to bring wholeness and to fulfill this divine order that God started in the beginning. So there's this responsibility of dominion and this and of what God has given man to steward. But one of the things that God gave Adam in his statement of, it's not good for you to be alone. You you gotta have. So then there's this addition of responsibility. I've got to protect this this wonderful gift that God has given me, similar to me, out of my side, same material, but opposite of me, mm-hmm. complementary of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, back that first section of chapter three, when you're talking about like the separation again, uh, it's exactly what's communicated to us in verse seven that says the eyes of both of them are opened and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And that is the consequence of sin that whenever we want to create a shield because there is shame that has entered in when we want to cover ourselves from each other, that will always be the source, the start of the problems that we have. <laughs> and so we have to get naked and unashamed Again, in our emotions, in our spirit, uh, in our heart, in our mind, uh, there should be no uh, stone that is left unturned because we need to be in full and complete communication with one another. And we have to learn how to work through those conflicts when they come up so that we can continue to weave the bind that is us. And then I would add to that that remember that when God gave those directives, he was talking to mankind. Yeah. And then since consequence is that now we have separation that has happened. And so God is repairing and assigning roles at this point. Mm. So the original design, if everything were perfect, if we were completely healed and there was no shame or covering between us, we would work in tandem right beside each other. But what happened as a consequence is there's, there's this tandem thing now happening, right? There's this push and pull. There's this fight to get out the grit and and the sand and the stones that try to come between those seeds of doubt and actually return to that wholeness that we can achieve but there's a challenge to that now because of sin's consequences and so you see God reestablishing the order all through chapter 3 through to the end not saying that evil is lesser than but saying now these roles are more defined and I have to lay them out for you because separation has entered in and so I have started Started this grand plan of actually crushing the serpent's head under her heel, right? But there's a process involved because I am a kind God. I'm a patient God. I'm a tender God. And so I could just pull you. I always say he could have pulled us forward through time and we would disintegrate it, right? But instead he decided to preserve this line, this broken, flawed line and redeem it and restore it and make it whole and new again. And so I always like to point out when you're reading those first three chapters of Genesis, remember there's a before and an after, and there's the ideal, there's a divine plan, and also the rescue mission that got initiated right in chapter three as well. 
with with all that in mind, <laughs> I, I wonder. I, I wonder as you were describing the work uh, when God said that that Eve would the 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 sin consequence would she would bear pain in childbirth and that Adam's work would work the same. Yeah, it w- it would mean that it becomes difficulty now instead of a blessing. Mm. There there is way too much here to just unpack mm-hmm. with with these thoughts and ideas. But here's here's what we do know to be true. We do know that God created a beautiful place for his people. Mm-hmm. And he gave specific order, specific specific designs on how to approach, how to live in this garden, what to be involved with and partake of, but also what to stay away from. And I want to go back to something that you said about that. You said the the equalizing force, Mm -hmm. the opposite forces, Adam, Eve, opposite man, woman, opposite but complementary. But you said something in the pre-podcast talk about the, the... the force that keeps it all together. Mm-hmm. Talk more about that. Yeah, it's right in the garden. Um, it wouldn't have been enough to sever um, the connection between Adam and Eve. Um, so the serpent goes for the connection between God himself. That was a destabilizing force. So here's the bottom line to that, is that we can be imperfect, but God's perfection compensates for that. So that triangle stays intact. It might get a little wobbly sometimes, right? Depending on where we stand and if we're participating or in or out. Um, But he had to actually attack that sever. It was that seed or that question of doubt that entered in that allowed the actual collapse to happen. Because if I can question God in all of this, um, then there's nothing to keep me grounded. And so... um, I, I just thought it, that was interesting that it, from the get-go, the author's telling us it that was what caused the collapse, um, that we could be our imperfect selves. Um, but if we kept our faith and our eyes and our connection with God sturdy, that there's nothing that can overcome. And I think that's a reminder we need sometimes, that sometimes we look to each other to satisfy certain things, and we're always going to be wrong in that. Um, But when we look to God as that stabilizing force, the only Savior, the only one who holds order in his hands, then it doesn't matter how tumultuous it feels sometimes, how much the vibrations try to shake that structure, it will not fall. It will stand. Um, And so if you've been turning to each other looking for the other person to fulfill certain things for you, (laughs) you need to start looking back at that stabilizing force and let him do that work of healing and deliverance individually so that that um, structure can stay in force and intact. I think that probably I'm listening to you as a, as a, as a guy, like I'm, I'm processing like a, like a dude would. So in the, in the, in the picture I'm seeing here, I'm seeing, we, we have this, this we're we're made as one complementary we both have our assigned duties in the divine order of things and in the place god created and and put us positioned us but as we look more toward that stabilizing force that god who created us and draw near to him i'm seeing an 
uh, the, the, the triangle gets extremely short mm-hmm. and narrow mm-hmm. and it becomes the, the, the more narrow a triangle is, I think the stronger it becomes, no physicist here or anything like that, but it just seems like to me, the closer that I get to God getting my life right on according to what he said to me. And as I encourage my love to to get herself right, right being defined by not what I say, but by what God says mm-hmm. about her, that she's a warrior, she's an Ezra, mm-hmm. she is a protector, a wise one, she's, she is a, a one that, that comes alongside of and is a protectionary force for me. When I, when I begin to think of her in a different way, I begin to have the ability to overlook some of the things that bug me about her that are trauma-fueled or experientially fueled or historically fueled. And I can begin to see her the way God created her. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm sensing that it's not all about me now. It's about, about God and about her that God gave me to be good steward of, to love her and to care for her. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, think about that in terms of, I'm just like picturing the triangle and all the iterations of that. And as you you were describing, getting closer each individually to God, if we're both doing that, if you think about the triangle itself, um, we're shortening those legs. And how do we actually become one again? How do we become whole? How do we become Adam, the mankind before we were separated? It is actually as we approach God, and now we're just on that little dot at the top of that triangle. If God is at the top and we're on the two bottom parts. So that was the first image I got. That the closer we get to God, the closer we get to oneness. There, there's just That's just how it works. <laughs> Second, man, how generous and wise God is when he said in two that I'm going to like, it's not good for you to be alone. Meaning he could have just made that a one way relationship, one track, but instead he provided us with a stabilizing helper, helpmate, warrior to actually get to that place to not just like walk with us so that we're not alone, but to sometimes like to be the tug, to be the pacer, to be the right. And I think of, and maybe because my husband and I are both um, Enneagram threes, like when it's like on, it's on, like, we're like, okay, let's go. Let's see who can get there, who can pace, who can go, who can like, we we're out to win this thing together. And the only way we win is together, (laughs) right? Why? Because you're made for me and I'm made for you. And so you are my strength. You are my support. You are the one that like encourages me when I'm out of breath, but you're also the one that reminds me and helps me pace. And instead of looking at that as, well, you're trying to put me down woman or you're dude, you're trying to make me look bad. Instead we can go, how grateful can I be that God gave me a pacer that God gave me someone to like, if I fell off on the side of the road, I'm tethered to this person who's going to, Oh, they're going to get pulled back and say, Hey, get up, let's go. We got to keep going. Right. So I just think of like, Oh, that triangle, how stabilizing that is just like, um, selfishly for me (laughs) and then also yes selfishly for me because that person is for me and with me and beside me and and how how beautiful is that I think the only other place we kind of experience it and we can make the mistake of focusing there is when you have children right like this is flesh of your flesh DNA of your DNA bone of your bone 
but the first person who was that was your spouse. <laughs> and we can forget that. And then we put all of our hopes and dreams into this little person who can't bear the weight of us. Mm. But the way God created this covenant relationship was that this person can pace with you. They're not supposed to be your savior. They're not supposed to always have to carry you, but they are equipped to in the times, in the seasons where that's necessary so that we can both get to the oneness, to the wholeness with God himself, which is full healing. Mm. You know, I've always wondered what what the world would have been like had had sin not entered in. Mm. I mean, I just, I mean, somebody inevitably down the line would have gone, "Yeah, I'm going to go try that. This <laughs> is not good." Somebody would have done. That. But I just, I just wonder yeah. to not miss your point. What the world would look like if we spent as 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 couples, married couples, wife and hubs. If we if we so focused on becoming one with the Lord, and because we're in covenant not only with Him in salvation and in the kingdom, but now we're in covenant each with Him with each other. It's a such a strange, unique covenant. Mm-hmm. And I think again, the wisdom of God is: I've created. You know, I started in the beginning. It got all messed up. I've made. I've I've made way for reconciliation and restoration. But if we begin to see like it, my mind just keeps rolling this over and over and over. It's not all about me. It's about what has God designed and created me to be. And what has he designed and created me to be in him for her and her in him for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I think of, um, you know, as you say, what would it what would it have looked like had sin not entered? It's in a covenant marriage that we get a taste of that. Like it might be fleeting at first, um, but you had a taste for it when you set your eye on him or her and your spirit leapt and you knew that was your person and how we keep coming back. We keep desiring that. I think that's why, uh, marital issues can be so frustrating because you've had a taste at some point or another. That is straight wisdom right there. There was a taste of that. It mm. is the closest, one of the closest ways that we get to heaven and experiencing God is in this relationship. And isn't that worth fighting for? Mm. I don't, w- there's a lot to be said, but, and I think we just started the conversation for some people, but to, to re reiterate, Becky Ezer Kinegdo. Mm-hmm. Tell us what that means again. A warrior. Someone who's alongside you, to have your back, to pace with you, to walk with you, to win with you. More than more than more than just a helper. It's far beyond a helper. You can hire somebody to be your helper, but you can't hire somebody. I saw a picture the other day that helps me remind me of this Ezer thing. It is, it is I I'm I love lions, I love bears. So I've got pictures of that kind of stuff sitting around. But it had this ferocious lioness. And and a lioness will oh so good. She will position herself when when the big daddy of the pride is in battle and they come to attack, she positions herself under his chest, protecting his neck. Mm. You talk about a picture of a warrior and a woman. 
The greatest asset any good man has mm-hmm. is an Ezra. And the greatest asset any woman has is a Jesus alpha male. And that Jesus alpha male is a guy who knows his position in the kingdom, patterns his life, imitates Jesus, and leads his life like Jesus has directed him to lead. Hey, big fella and young lady, hope you've enjoyed this. This is Father Seekers, and this is Teach Me to Father, the podcast. Hey, we love you. If you want to blow some feedback our way or shoot some stars, do it. Barry at fatherseekers.org. Barry at fatherseekers.org. Or Becky at J, the number two, wholeness.org. J, the number two, dot wholeness. Becky, J, number two, wholeness.org. We love you. Don't quit. Get some, big boy. <laughs>